Welcome back to Thin Places, a podcast experiment from Zion Episcopal Church. I'm Carl Adair. And I'm Mother Lindsay Lunham, the rector at Zion. Carl and I are recording this on Tuesday, November 3rd, Election Day, which means that we don't know what you may know listening to this. Maybe the presidential election has been definitively decided. Maybe there's still a lot of uncertainty and anxiety as votes are counted and contested. If that's the case, take a deep breath and imagine the peace of God swirling around you, filling your lungs, releasing some of the tension you carry in your body and soul. Maybe you'll find a thin place right there. For Zion's own Regan Calmer, stepping into a thin place often means just this kind of release. In a way, the thin place for me is where I can escape and find a way in my heart, in my soul, to loosen those tight things. And, and this is a metaphor for me of uh, release and um, freedom from anxiety and worry. In the first part of this episode, we'll hear from Regan about how the peace of God feels close in the Zion churchyard. It's a place for Regan to lose himself in communion with God as he works diligently to maintain this sacred ground. Sometimes that work is hard. Regan will lead us down to the grave he dug for his mother, Carol, who we buried just a few weeks ago. But getting his fingers into the dirt draws Regan deeper into the natural rhythm of loss and renewal, death and resurrection. In the second part of the episode, we'll hear from Zion's own Soraya Otto. Um, I'm 11, I'm in seventh grade, and I go to MS67, which is Louis Pasteur. We'll share part of an interview we did with Soraya this past Sunday afternoon on the Feast of All Saints. We started in the parish hall, and then Soraya led us through a light rain to the place where her father, Jones, is buried. Jones died suddenly in May. His grave is right next to Regan's mother, Carol's. Soraya spoke so bravely about how hard it can be to visit her dad. And she also told us about the ways that she still senses his presence and how she feels God comforting her in her grief. Both of these interviews include moments of profound wisdom and grace. But as you can imagine, there are also some heavy moments too. And if the world around you feels too heavy right this minute, you absolutely have permission to press pause and return to this another time. Whether you listen now or later, We hope you'll find the Holy Spirit working through Soraya and Regan to console and strengthen us all. A few weeks ago, Regan walked me around the Zion churchyard. Uh, We know that the Zion churchyard is a sacred place. Since the 1830s, the deceased have been interred here. If you walk around and look carefully, you see many of the earliest graves. Many Civil War veterans are here. Um, and when you think about the, you know, the, the depth of that, the, the meaning behind all of the tears and sentiment that have gone into the landscape here, and all these monuments to people's lives, 
I think you really realize, you can really realize why this would be a thin place for me or for anyone who believes. Um, it's a sacred place. The majesty of the trees. And I remember Lynn speaking about the roots that, that grow deep into the soil. Uh, and in this case, among the, the remains of, of people who have gone before me. If you look there, you'll see, right in the middle of everything is a beautiful pine tree. Uh, I know that the people who've come before me and have cared about this churchyard in much the same way uh, as I do, perhaps more responsibly, uh, and in a, a more serious way, um, practical way, have planted these trees. Where a tree has fallen, they've planted a new one. Uh, and again, that renewal, uh, the, the turnover, the maintenance of a sacred place. It's fall now, soon we'll see all of the leaves fall and the churchyard will completely transform and you'll have snow everywhere. And again, a marvelous new landscape. Again, God showing all of the different aspects of his greatness uh, or her greatness uh, in the landscape. And I get to come whenever I want. It's mine, but not mine. And, and I have a really nice feeling about that. You know, I'm sort of free to roam as long as I'm doing good. Uh, I might be weeding or planting, uh, doing some little thing, uh, finding a secret place in my heart where I'm communing with nature and with God in a subconscious kind of way, without really even being aware of what I'm doing, losing myself. Uh, you wanna, do you want to walk a little ways and I'll show you yeah, some of these yeah. other places? Yeah. <laughs> Regan showed me some of the maintenance projects he's undertaken over the years and talked about how the physical labor of caring and tending has helped him cope with anxiety and grief throughout his life. Regan's childhood was in many ways privileged, but it was painful. His parents' marriage was broken and he was an only child immersed in what felt like emotional chaos. As part of growing up, uh, maintenance <laughs> became something that I began to believe in as a relief. They made me mow the lawn. <laughs> and it was a big lawn in Cedarhurst, Long Island. Uh, and every week in the summer, I would mow that lawn. I was a tiny little guy with a big old lawnmower. <laughs> and I would push that lawnmower and it would always grow back. Uh, it was a big, tough lawn and I did a great job to overcome my grief through losing myself in these tasks. Uh, relationship with God has always been a little scary for me because I'm overwhelmed by all of God's beauty and terrible greatness. <laughs> um, it's overwhelming. Uh, people are overwhelming for me. I'm a little bit shy and retiring. Um, although I can be courageous and get out and face society and be a part of society, it, it makes me a little uncomfortable, just generally. Um, and I'm, I'm always uh, trying a little too hard. But I learned in church and in this thin space of, of a churchyard that I could, I could escape and get closer to my spiritual ease 
in, in the piece of nature that I had been offered now here. Over time, as Regan's spiritual life deepened, maintenance came to be much more than a way to cope. It became a way to make meaning, to remember and give honor, to give himself over to God's grandeur. It's a, it's a feeling of fulfillment and success um, and at oneness. It's a physical activity that connects me with a bigger, grander scheme uh, of life. Uh, you, Carl, remember just last weekend, uh, we came down to that corner by the firehouse and buried my mother. Do you uh, want to go down there? Yeah, sure. Let's go down there. Uh, and uh, certainly my children and my wife <laughs> are very aware of my relationship with this place. And I think they understood how much it meant to me uh, that we bring my mother here and that, um, that she stay here. Um, I came with mom a few times out into the churchyard. She was too old to help me clean up. <laughs> but uh, we walked the labyrinths, she and I. Uh, she on my arm. Uh, very slowly because mom did not walk fast. Um, and uh, we, we spoke several times uh, about her, her approaching uh, death. And um, she said several times that, uh, that she'd like to be in the Zion Churchyard. Because of his physical and spiritual connection to the Zion Churchyard, it was very important to Regan that he dig Carol's grave himself. Uh, again, I go back to my physical relationship with this place. We marked it out. It was clear what needed to be done. Um, and, and I acted through the physical communion. It's almost like taking the, the bread in a different way. It's, it's connecting more closely with the divine in its most difficult forms. Uh, and I had a chance to stop by myself and create the space where we would always remember uh, my mother to be. Um, and then we all, through part of the um, earth, back into the hole um, and filled it. And it's a, it's a necessary closure, I think, that we all have to have. This past Sunday afternoon, Soraya Addo and her mom Denise came to Zion to spend some time at Jones's grave. They come as a family every other week or so. On this day, Soraya's brother Kyan stayed home. I had asked Denise and Soraya if I could come along and talk with Soraya about how she was feeling God's presence through her grieving, about how she was sensing signs of her dad's presence 
even as she felt the pain of his absence. We spoke briefly in the parish hall, where I made sure Soraya knew she was in charge of the conversation and didn't have to talk about anything she didn't want to. Um, so, Soraya, um, can I ask a question about your dad? Okay. When did your dad die? May 13th. Can you tell me a little bit about how you felt right after that happened? Um, I didn't really believe it was true until a couple months after. When the truth did sink in, Soraya said she felt sad and shocked. And I asked her if she had ever felt God comforting her in those times. Yes. Yes, I think so. There was this one time when I was like really sad and upset and I was just like crying in my room and then Cayenne came and he just like randomly hugged me and I just felt really happy. Not like really happy, but I just felt like it was a sign because he like randomly hugged me. Would it be okay with you if we went on a little walk in the rain down to your dad's grave? Uh, okay. Remember, you're the boss. Yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> on the day of Jones's burial, Soraya brought a small cross that she had hand-painted herself to mark Jones's grave. It was simple and beautiful. It said, Jones Addo, we love you, with a big heart in the middle. While I was making it, I just, I still felt like sad and shocked and kind of scared because I felt like when I put the cross down, like I was kind of scared that I would like forget about him. So I just wanted to make the cross really special. Everyone was like really sad. Everybody was crying. And I was just kind of confused because I wasn't even crying. I just felt weird and everybody was really sad and upset. Yeah, but it was really, it was a really peaceful moment because there were balloons, there was like these white balloons. And while Mother Lindsay was like saying a prayer, one of them flew off. So it just felt like a sign. Soraya told me that sometimes it's really hard to come back to visit the churchyard. But she also said that it's important to her to come back. I just feel like it's important to come back so that we can like honor him and remember him even if like he's not like physically in our lives. And even though Jones is not physically present, there are thin places and thin moments where Soraya feels him close in her laughter and in her learning. I remember that he would make me laugh all the time. Um, like when I get, I don't know, when I get, when like I'm having trouble like understanding something and like I just understand it like all of a sudden, I just feel like that reminds me of him.
Before we left, Soraya told me about coming to visit Jones's grave after one of the big storms a few months ago. Right away, Soraya started cleaning up. Um, it just felt important because like all the branches were everywhere, everywhere, and it was like really messy, and things were like being broken. And it just felt important to like clean up his grave so he felt at home. Like Regan, Soraya understood instinctively that maintenance is a spiritual practice, and it's a gift. It's one way to honor and remember those we love and have lost, to show them and remind ourselves that they will always have a home in our hearts. You know, one of the things I love about Zion's churchyard is that despite all of the burials, it really is a place of life. It's a place that draws you to it, makes you reflect, remember, grieve, but also revel in all the growth and change and new life that is happening all around it. Yes, every Easter, we hold our parish Easter egg hunt in the churchyard and the image of young children in bow ties and floral dresses running around amongst the tombstones gathering eggs is so beautiful and so symbolic of the true meaning of resurrection. Or last weekend when we invited the whole neighborhood to the churchyard for a drive-through trick-or-treat event. We were wearing silly costumes and playing amongst the graves. It reminds me of the ancient Easter hymn from the early church. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. This place evokes care and reverence for the dead, as well as playfulness and gratitude for the living. Yeah, and I'm so intrigued by this idea of maintenance as a spiritual practice. And it's not just Regan and Soraya. You were telling me that our parishioner Will Wolf was there, fixing things up. And our neighbor Ryan is often there, picking up sticks. Part of this is definitely the beauty of the churchyard but maybe it also speaks to our desire to take care of the creation around us, to participate in God's ongoing, subtle work of repairing this world. I invite you to look around your house or yard or wherever you are spending time these days and find something that needs some tender, loving care. Maybe it's a leaky faucet some clean laundry that's still sitting in the dryer, or a favorite pair of shoes that needs polishing. Let that object needing care be a call to prayer. Polish those shoes, and as you polish them, inspect each crevice and notice each divot. Appreciate its design, its seams and contours the craftsmanship and care that went into making it. Feel your gratitude for how those shoes have protected your feet or made you feel fabulous. Give thanks for the people who made it or for the memories you have made while wearing them. Whatever you choose to do, really see the object. Appreciate it. And remember that this is also how God cares for you, marvels at you, 
Behold your wrinkles and sparkles with joy and reverence. And how God delights in finding a home in you. Before we go off to do some maintenance, will you pray with me? God of mysterious presence and constant care, help us to feel you here. When we are in darkness and grief, you are here. When we are silly and at play or learning something new, you are here. To you, darkness and light are both alike. Help us to feel your power and love enfolding us as we move through seasons of loss and growth, autumn and spring, grief and resurrection. Help us remember that you have triumphed over death and also that you walk with us through our grief and pain every step of the way. In all our steps and all our seasons, guide us deeper into love of you and one another. Amen. So we're coming to the end of this season of Thin Places. We'll have just one more episode and then step away from the podcast until the new year, when we'll discern if there are other experiments God is daring us to try. From what we've heard, folks in the Zion community and beyond are getting a lot out of this question of where God is showing up in surprising new places. And we are going to keep that conversation going because it's been incredible to hear more about one another's spiritual lives. There's a tremendous intimacy to these conversations and the stories that folks have shared. And that vulnerability is itself a thin place between us, drawing us closer as a community. And that vulnerable connection is well worth the maintenance. So please keep reaching out with thin places we don't know about yet or ideas for new experiments in podcasting or other media. You can write and tell us at zionchurch11363 at aol.com. Or you can post on our Facebook page. That's Zion Episcopal Douglaston. And if one of these episodes has moved you, please share it with a friend. Or reach out to the person we interviewed and thank them. Our music was composed by Nick Marcella. We got production help from DJ Kashmir and Meg Kramer. And this project was generously supported by a grant from the Episcopal Evangelism Society. This week, thanks so much to Regan Calmer and Soraya Addo for sharing their stories. We know it was hard. And we know it was important. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your eyes and ears and heart open for the unexpected ways that God is speaking into your life and working to heal this world. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Stay safe, everybody.